BAM Radio Network. Why do so many teachers feel disconnected from administrators and feel unsupported, unheard, and devalued? It may be a reflection of the fact that many principals feel devalued, under-respected, undervalued. I mean, it does sort of start with the superintendent and the union leader setting an example for everyone else to follow. Hi, welcome to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. With me today are Gail Connolly, Executive Director of the National Association for Elementary School Principals, teacher and spokesperson for the American Federation of Teachers, Kathleen Hoffman, and Stephen Sawchuk of Education Week. There's been much discussion about principal-teacher collaboration of late. Still, there have been news stories this year of principals berating, intimidating, and punishing teachers. Do you think the current education system is adversarial, pitting teachers against principals? Katie? Well, I think there's a lot of history to that, and I think with the media bashing of teachers that's going on, sometimes uh, the principals think they have a license to do that. And so that's where we have to be very proactive in good education of both our principals and teachers alike as to what their roles and responsibilities are. Are teachers and principals at cross-purposes in some areas? Well, if their goal is student growth and achievement beyond anything else, then they should be focusing on the same goal. That's why when we're looking at our teacher evaluation system, it's a matter of establishing goals for where you want to go ahead. And so, therefore, it really focuses both the principal and the teacher to where they need to go. Gail, what are your thoughts? Is the current education system adversarial and are teachers and principals at cross-purposes in some areas? I hope not. I fear that perhaps it does happen in isolated incidences. In the work that we deal, we deal with thousands and thousands of principals, and I would say that's more rare. There is a real commitment and, and a growing commitment on the part of principals to work in true collaboration uh, with their teachers. And the school districts have responsibilities here where instead of just holding the individuals accountable, as they should be in fair measure, based on multiple measures of success, but they really have a responsibility to embed the processes into the routine practice of professionals to make sure that they are working together in a coordinated and systematic way. Uh, that supports all students. Why do so many teachers feel disconnected from administrators and feel unsupported, unheard, and devalued? It may be a reflection of the fact that many principals feel devalued, under-respected, undervalued. It's a part of our system of public education has been so bashed over the past decade that There's a level of demoralization, uh, generally speaking, uh, at a level that I've not really witnessed in my 35-year career in education. And uh, part of that is, again, driven by this relentless, uh, high-stakes approach uh, to educating our children that really moves away from the purpose, mission-driven, real centered reasons that most educators choose to be in education. And so there's a real dichotomy of purpose there that really makes it challenging, I think, for everyone in public education. But having said that, I also see shining examples every single day of principals and teachers working together in true team fashion. And again, it's this promise of how to implement in a systematic way an approach to engaging 
teachers as true professionals, principals as true professionals being valued in the same way that other professionals are and afforded the same opportunities for engaging with one another, learning from one another, growing with one another, and where they are can be truly evaluated in fair and effective ways. And principals need help in understanding how to evaluate teachers in a way that gives them the kind of ongoing support and feedback that they need to continue to uh, engage with uh, their peers, engage with other teachers, engage with principals in ways that, again, have direct impact and import for student achievement. And, Stephen, your thoughts on the education system as adversarial? There's no question that labor relations, the way they've been set up, I think, have often been adversarial. I mean, they came out of an industrial mode, and you know, rightly so, because there were many abuses at the time that um, teachers gained bargaining rights in the 60s and 70s. So I, in no way do I mean that as a criticism. I mean, it was a response to a very significant problem at the time. You know, lately, I think there's also no question that both principals and teachers have been under you know, quite large performance pressures to improve student scores. And, you know, I think the question that people are getting at, into now is it's not really all that helpful to say to a principal, do better, or say to a teacher, okay, do better. I mean, there has to be a very fine-grained dialogue, I think, about what does good instruction look like? How can we break it down and sort of, you know, look and, and see that one teacher might be really good at asking those open-ended conceptual questions that get students to think and another teacher might not be. So how can we work on getting that teacher to improve those skills? And I mean, and to do this in a way that is not confrontational or judgmental, that is just both the principal and the teacher believe that we can improve the quality of instruction. And, you know, as far as principals go, I think that we're seeing a shift in the role of, of what we expect from principals. It's no longer about keeping the buses running. It's really about setting that culture um, for student learning and also for teacher learning. What are the practical barriers to creating genuine collaboration, and how do we surmount them? Our principals and teachers don't really get a whole lot of time to spend together. And with more and more being put on the principal's shoulders as far as evaluations of teachers, it's more and more time that they are going to not be able to do the other thing. But this year, what we have seen, we've established a teacher evaluation system that principals and teachers are sitting down and having really good in-depth conversations. They're talking about what the teacher's goals are, what the school's goals are, and how to move that forward, and what kind of evidence that teachers are going to use to show the, the varied instructional strategies and the multiple measures of student growth and achievement that they're going to use all along the way to really improve learning in their classroom. And it also is a conversation about what professional development does that teacher need to move themselves forward. Gail, what are your thoughts? I see uh, test scores as a single measure of student, teacher, principal, and school success as a key barrier. And reflecting upon a recent Wallace Foundation report on investigating the links to improve student achievement, it's interesting that the study found that principals improve student learning in large part by motivating the teachers and encouraging professional community, getting back to this idea of collaboration. We must create the structures and cultures that embed collaboration in the routine practice of the schools. Katie, what can teachers do to help make this vision a reality? I think teachers, they really do need to be very reflective on their own practice to do a really good self-assessment so they can see where they are. Now with the teacher-level value-added report, they can now look at that student data. 
say they can look to them and their own practices. They can look to see where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, and use it positively to plan where they're going to move forward, to establish goals, to plan their professional development so that they all spearhead student growth achievement. And how would they involve principals in that? I think that ongoing conversation needs to be done all year long from the establishing goals at the very beginning of the year to the observations that go on to see the impact and the implementation of those goals in the classroom. And at the end of the year, that special discourse that they have about what they've accomplished and that feedback that the principal can give them. Gail, my listeners are primarily teachers. So what is your advice for teachers who find themselves in schools where there might be an adversarial atmosphere? The best advice is to really seek out one-on-one opportunity with the principal and share their concerns. That's probably one of the only ways they can really address the issues uh, head-on with the principal. And seek out their peers, work with their peers to understand how they are uh, managing to stay focused on the instructional objectives they have set for themselves and for uh, the children in their schools and gain support from one another, help one another grow and learn. And uh, if there are issues that cannot be resolved with the principal directly, I'm sure that most school districts have uh, mechanisms whereby teachers can request in uh, intervention, for lack of a better word, uh, to be able to assist them in that regard. Stephen, what are your final thoughts? You know, I was really heartened by what Kathleen said a moment ago about teachers and principals in, in Cincinnati sitting down and just talking about what student learning looks like, what measures would be appropriate to use. I mean, I think those kinds of conversations are really the starting point for ending adversarial relationships. I I think it takes work. I think it's a new dynamic. I think it also, I mean, it does sort of start with the superintendent and the union leader setting an example for everyone else to follow. But I think that, you know, you can't go wrong if you put student learning and at the center of, of those dialogues. Thank you all for joining this conversation today. I really appreciate your input on the principal teacher collaboration and for being here on Body, Mind, and Child. In his blog at Education Week, Walt Gardner wrote, The practice of law in the U.S. is an adversarial system that is widely accepted as being the most effective way of ensuring that justice is done. This is the antithesis of the way educating the young is supposed to be conducted in this country. Nevertheless, the system too often still pits teachers against principals to the detriment of students. I hardly know what to say about an educational culture in which principals routinely cancel special trips and programs and as retaliation against critics give out unfavorable performance ratings, as was the case with one New York principal. And believe me, this was not an isolated incident. Since when did the education of children become a power play? Gardner goes on to write, Teachers' unions have been weakened at the same time that principals have been given greater power to run their schools as they see fit. It's a prescription that will harm students. My guests today clearly agree, and I hope I've given you some ideas for a better prescription. By the way, do you see that little like button on your screen? Yes, right there in front of you in the pop-up box. Well, if you appreciate Body, Mind, and Child and you want to keep these programs coming, click that thing for me, would you? This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.